All right, so uh, this summer we are in the series called More Stories We Tell, and we're taking a look at um, stories from the Bible that are commonly told, and our hope is that in revisiting these um, stories, we will be able to um, be reminded, as countless generations before us have, what it means to be a people of God. And more than that, we want to learn or at least speculate as to why these stories are told over and over again, first as oral histories and then recorded in the Bible and told by Christians all over the world still today. The story that we're going to look at um, this evening is a story of the judge and the prophetess Deborah. The story of Deborah is found in the book of Judges, and I'm going to give a little bit of background before we jump into the story um, yeah, just so we know kind of where this is happening. If you were here last week and heard Kenny's sermon, you may remember that the Israelites, God's chosen people of the Old Testament, had escaped slavery in Egypt and were wandering in the desert. And they were moving toward the promised land or the land that God had promised to give them uh, to settle on. And during this time, Moses was their leader. Um, and he, but Moses was told by God that he would not live to see the promised land. Um, so Joshua becomes Moses' successor, and Joshua is the leader who leads the Israelites um, into the promised land, which is also known as the land um, of Canaan. And it was inhabited by a host of what are called wicked nations, collectively called the Canaanites. So Joshua and the Israelites defeat some of the Canaanites in order to move into the promised land. And Joshua reminds the Israelites of their covenant to be faithful to God. The Israelites' faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness to the Israelites was meant to show other nations what God is like. Um, but the book of Judges opens with the death of Joshua. And then the Israelites fail to finish driving the Canaanites um, from the promised land. Instead, they move in and adopt many of the immoral practices of the Canaanites, and they completely fail in their faithfulness to God. In the book of Judges, history repeats itself for the Israelites in a series of cycles in which the Israelites become like the Canaanites, they sin against God, God allows them to be oppressed and conquered by the Canaanites. The Israelites eventually see the error of their ways, they repent, and God um, raises up a judge to deliver them and bring about an error of peace. However, then Israel sins again, and this cycle starts over. Judges is violent. It tells a story of Israel's moral corruption and how they become no different than the Canaanites. But the book of Judges also provides hope for the future, right? God delivers his people over and over again. And we get a picture of God's powerful love and mercy and ultimate patience towards his people. So who were these judges? Before Israel had kings, the judges were their leaders. They're not judges in the way that we think of judges ruling over a courtroom. Rather, they were regional, political, and military leaders. Okay, particularly this week, we're looking at the story of Deborah. 
She's the third judge's story to be recorded in the book of Judges. She's the only female judge to be recorded. In her story, she acts as a judge, a prophet, and a military commander. And the story of Deborah is recorded in Judges 4 and 5. Uh, it's unusual in that it chronicles this piece of history um, first as a narration in Judges 4, and then second as a poetry and song in Judges 5. And these two chapters complement each other. Um, so we're going to read Deborah's story um, in Judges 4, and then I'll share a few thoughts that I reflected on this week as I studied the story. Um, and we'll try to answer this question as to why would the Israelites tell the story and why do we continue to tell it today? Uh, the scripture is on your handout, or I believe it's going to be on the new handy screen up here also, um, if you'd like to follow along. Um, I'll read a few verses, and then I'll kind of break and explain it to hopefully help us better understand the story as we go through. Okay, so we're going to start in Judges 4, uh, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Heroseth Hagioyim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Okay, here we see this cycle of the Israelites sinning against God, being oppressed, and then calling out to God for help, right? Their current oppressor for the past 20 years is King Jabin and his uh, army commander, Sisera. We'll pick up again in verse 4. It says, Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. Okay, here we're introduced to Deborah as a prophet and a leader, right? She's obviously respected as a leader. The people come to her to settle her disputes, but she also acts as a prophetess or a female prophet. A prophet was someone who heard from God and then told others what they heard. Okay, in verse 6, says, she sent for Barak, son of Abinom from Kadesh and Nephthali, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Nephthali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. So Deborah prophesies to Barak. She tells him what she heard from God, and she tells him to lead the Israelites in battle against King Jabin, and that God will give Sisera, the commander of the army, into his hands for defeat. Okay, and verse 8 has Barak's response. It says, Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. 
So Barack responds by saying that he'll go only if Deborah agrees to go along. Now, some interpret this as weakness or cowardice on Barack's part. Others see it as him wanting a spiritual counsel along. Either way, Deborah agrees to go with Barack, but changes her prophecy to say that no longer will Barack be the one to kill Sisera, but a woman will. Okay, from here I'm going to summarize the middle of the story because it gets a little bit long, and then we'll read the scripture again at the end. Okay, so Barak summons an army under his command. Deborah joins them. Then there's this seemingly piece of random information that later becomes relevant. There's a man, Heber the Kenite, who had left the other Kenites and pitched his tent near Kadesh. Uh, Now, the Kenites were a nomadic tribe in the area. So just hold on to that little piece of information for just like one minute. We'll come back to it. So back to the battle. Sisera uh, finds out that Barak and his army are coming. Sisera gets all his men and his chariots ready to fight. Deborah tells Barak to go to fight. Barak leads the Israelites, and they kill all of Sisera's army. But during the battle, Sisera gets off his chariot and runs away on foot. Okay, now back to that seemingly random information about Heber the Kenite. Um, The Kenites, again, were a nomadic um, tribe in the area, and they were generally uh, allies of Israel. However, for some reason, Heber had decided to side with Jabin. I mean, maybe because his army appeared to have a very big advantage against Israel. So Sisera flees to Heber's wife's, Jael, tent because of this alliance. Jael welcomes Sisera, She invites him in, and she hides him. He asks for water, and she gives him milk. He asks her to be on the lookout if someone comes looking for him to say that he's not there. There's no one there. Jael is both welcoming and generous to Sisera. But then I'm going to pick up again in Judges um, chapter 4, verse 21. It says, But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer, and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Now, I told you judges could be violent. So while Heber had given his allegiance to King Jabin and Sisera, it's clear that his wife, Jael, does not. So then, uh, I'm going to read one more piece of scripture here, the very end of Judges chapter 4. It says, Just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went with her, and there lay Sisera with a tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed him. So here we see Deborah's prophecy coming true. Sisera is defeated by a woman. I find it a little surprising that the woman to defeat Sisera is not Deborah, but rather Jael. And from here then we see the continued cycle of God rescuing the Israelites and bringing about a time of peace. It's a little bit crazy ending to the story, I know. Uh, So now I'd like to share a few thoughts, that's kind of the story, about the story as I've reflected on it and studied it this week. 
Um, and my first thought has been this, that God uses those that we often discount or dismiss. God uses unexpected people. Deborah is a woman. She's strong. She's wise. She's counted on by the nation of Israel. She was chosen by God. Deborah is a woman. All the other judges that have stories in the book of Judges are men. And while Deborah's story is not the only one of women in leadership roles in the Old Testament, it's a bit unexpected. Most of the leaders we find in the Bible are men. However, there are clearly stories of women as leaders included in Scripture in both the Old and the New Testament. And Deborah is a great example of this. She's both a leader and a prophet. Um, And since her song of praise um, becomes the fifth chapter of Judges, she's also an author of part of the Bible. The fact that Deborah's story was chosen as one to be recorded in the book of Judges shows that it was important to the Israelites to record this example of the value of women in leadership, to pass down to future generations an example of God working through a woman leader. We can learn from this unexpected inclusion of women in leadership that a person's sex or gender does not disqualify them from being used by God. I personally find this challenging because when we look at the church as a whole, it often seems that women in leadership positions is not always the norm or even expected. It challenges me to step into church leadership roles, to preach, right, so that my daughter, so that my friend's daughters can grow up with examples of women leader and teachers. And I'm truly grateful to the women of our church who boldly step into leadership, to the women who serve on the lay leadership team, to Liz and Melanie and Maggie, um, to Sarah for leading us in worship, to the women who teach my kids and kids ministry, to the women who greet, who sing, who play instruments in the band, um, to lead small groups, and all kinds of other roles that I'm not mentioning. Thank you. This is important and valuable work to our church, and let's try to make it the expected. Another unexpected character in the story, I think, is J.L. In Deborah's song in Judges chapter 5, Deborah calls J.L. the most blessed of tent-dwelling women. J.L. is invaluable in winning this war. And this is unexpected, right? In the beginning, when Deborah uh, prophesies, we think that Barak is going to be the one to kill Sisera. Then her prophecy changes that the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. At this point, I expect that woman to be Deborah. Um, But neither of these main characters become the one who takes the life of Sisera, right? It's the unexpected homemaker of a nomadic tribe who just happened to be in the right place at the right time is the one that kills Sisera. Not even Sisera had expected her. Throughout history, God chooses to use unexpected, even seemingly unqualified people. Which leads to my next thought. Human weakness and hesitancy 
is overwhelmed by the power of God. When Deborah first tells Barak that God commands him to go and to fight Jabin's army and that Sisera will be given into his hands, Barak hesitates and adds his own requirement to God's promise. No matter the reason for Barak's condition, his request shows right, that he trusted human strength more than God's promise. But God still accomplished his purpose of rescuing the Israelites. The thing is, Barak's doubts don't prevent him from being used by God. God still uses Barak to lead Israel's army and to defeat Sisera's troops. Well, this rings true for us as well. God works through us in spite of our doubts. All we have to do is keep taking steps forward in obedience, even if they're little steps. And we can ask for, big, for help when big steps seem overwhelming. God will work through us as we stumble and we learn obedience to him. Right? It's God's power, not ours, that will accomplish God's plans. We don't have to be confident. We just need to keep moving toward him. Keep learning about who God is. Keep reading and praying. Keep asking questions and listening. Keep serving. And these seemingly small steps add up to big changes if they're taken in the direction of obedience towards God. The Lord enables ordinary people to accomplish great things through his power. Our weakness and our hesitations, our doubts, they can all be overcome by God's power. Which leads to my final thought. No matter how you view yourself or others view you, God wants to use you to make a difference. Are you an extrovert? Are you an introvert? Are you brave or timid? Do you think you don't have enough time, money, energy? Are you too old? Are you too young? Are you too busy? Do you not have enough charisma? Or are you too much? Are you too over the top? Do you view yourself as smart and educated? Do you view yourself as a failure or a screw-up? What do other people think? No matter how you view yourself or how others view you, God wants to use you to make a difference in his story. All these things I mentioned above are qualities of people that God has used in his story over time. A few years ago, I would not have imagined myself preaching. Um, I've taught in kids' ministry my whole life, but that comes very naturally and easy to me. Um, and when I agreed to be on the preaching team, I had said yes, but that I would not agree to preaching. Um, and I still don't. Um, view myself often as someone who has the authority or the knowledge to teach my peers and my elders about God. But the thing is, it's not about my ability or what I think about myself. Right? God has unexpectedly to me opened these opportunities for me to share his words and my thoughts with all of you. And every time that Kenny asks if I'll think about preaching, 
the initial response in my head is no. And sometimes I still come up with good enough excuses to actually say no. Um, but I've found in the times when I say yes, God provides the insight that I need, the time that I need to do it, the words, um, and the nerves I need. And on the other end of it, I always feel honored and privileged to be able to share a bit of God's story with you. And I trust that God is working through me in these times. The thing that's kind of nice and tidy about Deborah's story is that we see the conclusion. We see how God has used her to make a difference. The hard part about our stories is that we often don't know the impact of the way that God is using us to make a difference. We don't know if our kindness to a stranger actually affects their day. Right? We don't know if taking time to chat with our neighbor um, translate to them knowing that they are valuable and loved. We don't know if the advice we give a coworker actually helps to change their outlook, outlook on work. We don't know if the kids we teach as preschoolers actually turn out to be decent human beings or not. And we don't know if the money that we donate to the homeless shelter changes the course of someone's life. But we see in the Bible time and time again that God uses ordinary people to make a difference in his story. Deborah and Jael, even Barak, are willing to let God do the unexpected through them. Right? What might God do through you if you didn't put limitations on yourself? I mentioned earlier in the story of Deborah is found in Judges 4 and 5. We just read um, through the narration form in chapter 4, um, but I wanted to just talk briefly about the song in chapter 5. Music and singing were an important part of Israel's culture. Right? And Judges chapter 5 is a song that was sung by Deborah and Barak. It set to music the story of the Israel's victory over King Jabin. Deborah and Barak sang this praise poem of beauty and truth focused on the glory of God. I'm going to read just a few verses of the song to give us an idea of how the song told the story in a different form and how it gave credit um, to God for their victory. This is Judges chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned, Travelers took to winding paths. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose, a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. All right, Deborah and Barak's song proclaims God's greatness and gives him credit for their victory. It was a way to preserve and to retell the story from generation to generation. So back to that big question, why tell the story? Because for the Israelites, and for us too, it's important to remember 
that God claims victories for his followers. That the power of God can be overcome. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. The power of God can overcome human weakness. And that God can choose to use whomever he wants to accomplish great things. May we always remember that God empowers the weak who honor him. Both accounts of Deborah's story, the narration in chapter five and the song I'm sorry, in chapter four and the song in chapter five, speak to what may be the book of Judges' most important message. Time after time, Israel's saviors are unlikely heroes who allow God to work through them. This is a story about God and having confidence in Him. I'll pray for us. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, you are patient and enduring. We praise you for your kindness and your great regard for us. Help us to be brave. Help us to be thoughtful. Teach us to love people the way that you love people. Give us courage to continually take steps of obedience towards you. Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Amen.